Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, how to get your girls to play with freedom. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you're a podcast returner, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by my business partner, Alicia Smith, for our first coach interview. We wanted to bring on experienced coaches who have training in and have been using sports psychology with their players, and we found a gem in this one. She's been implementing the mental game with her players since she began coaching and is now in her fifth season at her current position as associate head coach and pitching coach. She's guided her pitching staff to multiple all-conference honors, conference-leading ERA, and the team's and conference's first at-large bid to postseason, where they just fell short of advancing past host Tennessee. Prior to stepping into the coaching ranks, she was a stand-up pitcher for the Tennessee Lady Vols, where she still holds records for strikeouts, wins, innings pitched, win percentage, and ERA. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in sports studies with a concentration in sports psychology, both from Tennessee. And she utilizes the lessons she's learned with the players every day. Before we get to the show, allow me to share an opportunity for you to develop the mental game daily as well. This episode is brought to you by the Mental Sweet Spot Academy. If you want to provide mental training to your girls, but having a consultant work with your team is a little too pricey, consider joining our academy. You'll get eight courses on sports psychology concepts, more than 16 drills, more than 70 team and self-awareness building worksheets, access to a community of like-minded coaches sharing ideas and tips, and access to us to ask any questions you have about implementing the mental game. To learn more and find out if the academy is for you, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash academy and sign up for a free webinar. Offense wins games, defense wins championships, the mental game wins life. How to lead a program that develops resilient, dedicated, impactful young women both on and beyond the field. In it, we share the three secrets we've learned for making this dream a reality. Hope to see you there. Now, without further ado, please welcome Lipscomb University's Associate Head Coach, Megan Smith. Yes, I'm totally excited to be with you guys and can't wait to talk about mental toughness. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Megan, for joining us. But, um, you know, we kind of found you online and read your profile. So Mel and I each have our own stories of how we kind of discovered mental toughness, both as, you know, as Mel as a player and a coach and myself as a coach. So if you could just give your story on how you kind of learned about mental toughness first. Yeah. uh, Well, softball, you know, fell in love at about the age of eight or nine and started pitching. And as I would think most anybody knows, that's a, that's an incredibly mental position on the field. Anything is, but there's, you know, there's a special place in life for pitchers. Um, And so at some point I kind of reached a level where my capacity to, I couldn't out talent everyone. And I had these moments where I realized what it felt like to not be mentally tough, uh, that my thoughts were not in control. uh, The plate felt small and far away. uh, Just that moment where you really feel crazy and you can't do what you already know how to do and what you've been capable of doing maybe five minutes before. And so that feeling, I just remember being so upset after the game where I first really felt this and it became a reality. And my dad said, Hey, I've been trying to get you to read this book. It's time for you to read it. And so of course, by then I'm like, I'll do anything. And so I read this book and it was called the inner game of tennis. I recommend it all the time. It's just, it's such a good beginner book for it because it's easy to understand. Um, it, it, you can easily apply it to not just tennis. So I read this book, devoured it and just, couldn't believe how much it spoke into what I was feeling. And that was probably the first time I realized there was this whole 
spectrum of the game that I hadn't even touched yet and that I had just really been getting lucky with. So um, I, I fell in love with the idea that I loved that my thoughts could either be powerful and they could help me or that they could completely change my game and take me out of it. And um, so a lot of the rest of my career has been spent working on that uh, as myself or with my athletes. Well, you are definitely not alone in hitting that point where you need the mental game. Alicia and I have talked about it time and again, how we wish we had had this sooner. Alicia didn't get it at all while she was playing, and I at least got it when I was still playing, but it was late in my junior (laughs) year in college. So what age were you? I'm really curious. How old were you when you read the inner game of tennis? I, ooh, 14 or 15. Yes, I was a freshman in high school, so whatever that age was. Uh, yeah. And I, it's amazing how stubborn we can be. I don't know why at that point I thought I had it all figured out and been making the advice, but I did. And then I realized I didn't. So it's, you know, I think learning moments are so powerful. <laughs> yep. I get that stubbornness. My aha book has recommended me years before I actually read oh, it. I think so the idea, what would you say and, and was the biggest, biggest lesson now, you learned but... from the book? breaking it into self one and self two and recognizing that these thoughts that were going on in my head, that number one, I could shut them down, but number two, they weren't helpful. And there was a reason that they weren't helpful and that I needed to change that dialogue. And the funny thing to me about it is that, you know, knowing that I think is the first step, but you can really spend the rest of your life mastering how to allow yourself to play rather than to think through it. And that takes so much discipline. And I think that's what I really love about the middle game is you you don't ever quite perfect it. You just have to keep maintaining it. And every day it looks a little different, but you just keep chasing the, the way it's supposed to be. And that, that feeling of being in the zone. And today I get into it one way, tomorrow it may be different, but I've got to be willing to work with myself and work with where I am each day and stay true to that discipline of being in the moment. That's awesome. I mean, I noticed that you have, um, you went on to play at Tennessee. So you obviously had a great career there. So that's great that you discovered it before you went to college, but how did you, yeah, I mean, because unfortunately I never even had it. So as a player, um, I discovered it after about 10 years of coaching. So what types of things did you continue to learn, you know, at Tennessee playing for the Lady Vols? Uh, once again, that was really challenging. Um, and my coaches told me that in the recruiting process that they were not going to be the type of coaches that, uh, you know, if if you messed up, it, it wasn't okay. They were going to coach you and they were going to be hard on you. And, you know, again, you hear that and you're like, it's fine. I've been coached before. And then you get there and you realize this game's harder. It's faster. And they really did mean it. They're going to coach me and they're going to let me know what's not okay. And what's unacceptable in this program. Uh, So automatically that's difficult. And I think that actually every single freshman we have come into our program, it's almost like clockwork to me now that at some point we have to have this conversation that it's okay that it's harder for you. It's harder for everybody in some capacity. It's never going to be the easy that it used to be. Let's create a new definition of what a good day is or an easy day. Uh, So some of that is just that natural process of growing up and maturing in the game. But I was fortunate enough, and one of the reasons that I really loved Tennessee in the in the recruiting process was they had a sports psychologist. So here I am, I'm already in love with 
this facet of the game, they have somebody who was there simply to help athletes through that. And uh, so I loved that. I, I wanted to do my master's in that. I knew that going into college, which I know is pretty rare. Um, and so he helped me a lot with just learning to look at things in a different way and uh, learning to go a little bit deeper into that process instead of it just being something that I knew and that maybe after a game I could sift through. He taught me how to be responsible and accountable for what I needed to do before the game. How can I get myself in the mindset and the attitude, all of it, that is going to be, it's going to help me be most ready for that game. You know, there are no guarantees ever in this game. Uh, as much as I want there to be, there aren't. And learning to let go of that and, and to just go through my routine and um, create the best me for that day. Uh, I would say that was the biggest thing I got because it just, that turns into an everyday. It, it's not something that just sounds good. You literally have to come back to it every single day. And now I got to get ready for today. Tomorrow I got to get ready again. And uh, it just becomes part of your game plan as opposed to, oh, today feels good. I think that I'll do mental game today. <laughs> yeah, we've talked a lot about um, some of our podcasting that we've talked about, um, <laughs> yeah, we started with way. kind of documenting my high school season, but we talk a lot about routines and how important that is. But I think one of the things that the kids always first go to is what is my physical routine? Mm. So learning that mental routine, I think is, is really key. And we're trying to start early, just like you. So it's because That's sometimes awesome. college is almost, is not too late, but you're almost behind. Yes, Absolutely. And you feel a little crazier if by then you haven't had to experience anything or have learned a tool to help you. It just feels all the worse. It, the, the whole world is collapsing. So as a coach, you've, you've definitely, everywhere you've gone, you've improved your pitching staffs, you know, statistically as well. So obviously I know that that's part of your coaching game plan. So what do you do with your, your players? How do you implement, you know, mental toughness with your kids? Uh, it looks a lot of different ways. One of the things, one of the great things about Lipscomb is that we can talk about God. And so I, I don't have to quite uh, work around anything. I can just straight up say that, um, hey, your worth is not in softball. God did not create you to be a softball player. He created you as a person. And then this is a gift that he gave you. You happen to be really skilled at this. And so, so often I just, I see them place way too much worth on their, uh, their results. And it just, it completely throws everything out of perspective. And so we talk a lot about perspective and in, um, it, I really like to meet with a pitcher specifically one-on-one -on -one to just hash through things. Hey, tell me where you're coming from. What have you struggled with up until now? Let's go ahead and get out ahead of this instead of waiting till it rears its ugly head and tell me what you want to work on. And I mean, they're, they know, it, it's pretty rare that I have someone say, I have no idea. I'm, I think I'm pretty <laughs> really tough. They usually kind of sit there and I can tell they're thinking like, how deep do I want to go with her? <laughs> it's like, br bring it on. I'm just as crazy as you are. We're all, we're literally all struggling with something. So, um, you know, we, we try to talk through that and, and figure out where have we misplaced our, or where have we created faulty thinking or allowed it into our minds. And, um, so after we kind of work through that perspective, we spend a lot of time on routines. Like you talked about, I think that having those tools to fall back on is helpful 
because even we can get all the theory down, but if they don't feel like they have something tangible they can do, then it start you still feel out of control in those moments. So we do a lot of visualizing. Uh, we'll visualize before every game. Uh, we just got into this year. I learned about tapping, which is, you know, a whole different, it would take me way too long to explain mm-hmm. that. And sometimes I even understand it. It's, I love it. And, um, so we got into that and a lot of the position players got into that as well. We learned breathing. We, we learned how to breathe. And then, um, we spent a lot of time working on focus because I, I just, the older I get, and I'm not even that old, but I just see that their focus is so assaulted by the world they live in. Phones and TV and music and everything is always at their fingertips and they just can't escape media. So I want them to first be aware of that and maybe aware of those consequences if they aren't already. But then I want us to be very deliberate about training our focus. And one of the simple ways we do that, which we kind of couple with meditation in some ways, but Uh, we'll literally just put the timer on and we'll breathe for five minutes. And all I want them to do is put their focus on their breathing. And we have to preface it each time with when, when you lose focus, it's okay. Just bring your mind back to your breathing because it's going to happen. It's not that you're going to do this perfectly, but that's what happens in a game. You're going to lose focus for a second, but let's have the tool. Let's have the ability to come right back to the moment and the present and focus on what you want to do right now. And we worked up, let's see, we did five minutes. We would do two sets of five minutes and give them a break. We did one where it was just 10 minutes straight. And then I just really drove them nuts. And by the end of it, I was like, we're going to try 20 minutes. <laughs> they all looked at me like, what are you talking about? I was like, we're doing it because it's hard. We're not doing it because I know you'll do it well. I know this is going to be really ridiculously hard, but let's just do it. And um, so, yeah, by the end, they were like, that was <laughs> That was hard. <laughs> like, yeah, but I, I mean, embarrassingly I challenge our listeners right now to try that for just five minutes. I don't do as much of it as I used to, so not sometimes I'll take the time. I'm sitting there with the timer, timing them, and think, okay, how long can I go? And every time I'm like, I should be better at this, but <laughs> it just takes work, and it's a skill just like anything else. We've actually done a lot of the same, not, not the timed. I love the idea of the time is something I've definitely taken away from this right away is we've, we've practiced our breathing, but I've never made them do it for a timed period. So I'm going to, I'm going to definitely implement that next year for sure. That's a great, great idea. The funny thing about timing it is you now add in the thought of how long have I been doing this? Did she walk away? Did she forget? Like there's just this uncertainty because I have them close their eyes. So it's just one more thing that your brain's going to be like, is, is everything okay? Yeah, it's fine, guys. I'm still sitting here. I will tell you when five minutes is up. I love that. I love that. Have you, have you as a coach found, obviously everybody's different. Is there any one thing that sticks out in your mind that they, A, struggle with the most and B, that has helped, helped them the most? Or is it all over the place? I think it can be all over the place to some degree. I think the way that it feels to them personally is different. So it's, it's worth helping them get to the details, but really I just think teaching perspective is just the overarching theme Um, because I think a lot comes from that. I think the fear of failure, I think a lot of girls especially struggle with confidence. And I think that a lot of that just comes from, we, we aren't in control of our perspective, but if somebody sits you down and just talks you through, Hey, this is how we need to look at this instead of 
everything is on the line today. If I don't, then this happens, or it means this. Uh, there's so many what ifs and what does this mean about me? And the, the more diligent we are with perspective, I feel like a lot of those other things take a back seat. If, if we can just come to the game with that open mind, be willing to risk and, um, and, and go for it. And that takes some training to get that perspective and to really trust in it. But I feel like in whatever way we need to, to get there, for each athlete, it's worth teaching them that because then they can, uh, whatever narrative is popping up for them personally, then they know how to work around it. They know this is what's happening. I'm aware that this is, I'm struggling with this again. And here's how I've decided I want to look at this instead. So it becomes a tool that can help them with whatever they're dealing with um, personally. Gaining that perspective and awareness, in my opinion, is one of the keys to mental toughness and performance in general, but it's not easy to pull out as a coach. So what do you do intentionally to help build that awareness in your athletes? I look at that in two ways. I think one of it is knowing what you want to feel. And so one of the things that I love to do that I actually did in college is give them all this, I call it a best worst worksheet, and they just describe and a lot of detail, their best day and then their worst day. And we just kind of sift through those things. Do you see what these thoughts produce? Do you see what these thoughts produced and kind of create the accountability there where they at least know what, what they want, uh, and what they're shooting for. And so I think that understanding the mindset that you want can help you to go back and forth with yourself and say, is how I feel is how I, is how I'm thinking right now. Is that going to, is that in line with what that best day looked like? And if it's not, then I need to make a shift. And we work and talk about how that is that's a possible shift. It's uh, it's a choice. Our thoughts are a choice and um, our thoughts can lead to our feelings changing. Cause a lot of times they'll just say, I feel this and because I feel it, it's true. And I've just got to follow that rabbit hole. And instead, if we can, even if it feels like brainwashing, if we can just tell ourselves, think the thoughts that we know are going to help us get where we need to get, let's, let's move in that direction. And the, the more that we keep going one foot after the other in that direction, we'll gain the steam. We'll, we'll kind of grease those wheels, grease that track to be able to get there faster. Uh, especially on the days when, you know, it's just not going to be quite as easy. So if we, if we're used to doing it, if it's a habit, if it's a tool that we have, then on those days, maybe it takes a little bit longer, but at least we can get there and it's better than where we would have been if we hadn't, if we hadn't gone, gone there at all. Um, with perspective, I, I really keep trying to tell them that it's not uh, going back to the guarantees, I we just can't want a guarantee. You're never going to get one in this sport or in any sport. And if you did have a guarantee that you were going to win, you wouldn't enjoy it. The easy is not fun. It's the challenge that we love. So let's embrace the challenge and let's learn how to do that. Uh, but even though we know that, we know that the challenge is what makes it fun. We still kind of want it to be easy, easy and we want that guarantee that says, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do this and this and this. And because I did A, B and C, we're going to win or it's going to go well for me. And I think the more that I can get them away from that perspective of um, good girls study hard and then they get an A on their test. Uh, 
to, hey, let's just come and risk and let's just come and throw it all out here and play with freedom, let go of the need to win, let go of what it means, and let's just give it all and see what happens. And and trying to get them to understand that you will be proud no matter what if you can leave the field saying you played with freedom. But when you hold back because you're scared and you're you just don't like the uncertainty, then you're just you won't be happy with what you get and we'll keep cycling. You'll come back to this game again with that fear and uncertainty because of what happened last time and it'll happen again and then we'll we'll keep going down that path. So trying to peel the onion layers back can take a while. And to me, it, it can be kind of simple, but I think once you really get, get nitty gritty with a person, it's not quite as simple because we've thought this way for so long. We've believed a certain way for so long that it, it's hard to change, but it's worth changing. And uh, it's worth the daily work of having to tell yourself, this is how I need to look at it. And it's interesting because what you just mentioned was, um, probably I think episode uh, seven mill, if you remember right, it was that it was that um, I called it a come to Jesus with my team meeting, um, basically explaining the exact same thing that uh, you just mentioned is that they they weren't willing, they couldn't let go of the fear. Yeah. And um, once they once they did their performance changed, you know, it was night and day. And I think it's sometimes scary for players to to fail. And yeah. learning that, learning, having them learn that it's okay to fail and make that a learning process is, is very difficult sometimes. Absolutely. Do you feel like anything is, is missing, uh, maybe from just the sports psych realm when it comes to softball overall? Uh, from a faith standpoint, yes. I think that so often we, we kind of learn these tools or we learn this, this idea that everything's okay. And, but it, then you look at the world and it doesn't always feel like it's backed up. Like, um, you know, we try to teach them that it's safe to fail. And then you look at the world and it doesn't really feel so safe. Uh, so I think bridging the gap there, I, for me personally, I think with my faith, it's easier for me to understand sports psychology because I, I have a, a worldview that where it all fits in there, that, Hey, this is because things will not go perfectly in my life and discipline is important. And all of these things that I'm learning in sport will apply to my life and will apply to my faith walk. Um, so I feel like that part is missing. Um, but aside from that, I just think the education, and I think it's not so much the kids, but more the parents and the coaches when we're young of understanding that you cannot teach them to put everything on this. We're going to have to teach them early on to risk, especially girls. They're not, we're not brought up wanting to risk. We're brought up wanting everybody to be happy with us and to do it right. And that's just hardwired. So by the time that they get to me at 18, it's completely what they do. And then I'm, I'm asking them to do something different. That's going to feel really foreign and, you know, Hey, that sounds great. Coach Smith, but, uh, that's not safe. And I'm going to go with the safe thing. And it's worked for me so far. So, you know, I'm going to stick with it. And, uh, usually when it's not working anymore is when obviously they'll listen the most, uh, just like me as a player. But, um, yeah, I just, I think that teaching our girls, especially that, uh, it's okay to fail. And this is how you fail well. 
that that that's a thing. You can fail well, and we can we can give back to our team when we fail. We can get, even give back to ourselves, which I think again is a perspective type thing. That failure is that great opportunity, as opposed to failure is uh, the way that I have ruined it for everyone. Um, yeah, I would I would love to see that, and I don't know exactly what that looks like because I'm trying to teach my own girls that. Granted, they're only five and three, but <laughs> um, it, it's already a struggle to pull that out of them. Like, hey, let, let's try it. It's okay. It's okay that you did it wrong, but already they're just they don't want to do it wrong. And, and I would I would love to see what the world could look like if we had more more women willing to risk and to fail and to to let go of the fear. I think the fear will always be there. We know there's the unknown. But can we can we set that aside and just go for it? Yeah, I've I've definitely faced a lot of that in my coaching career. I mean, the first ten years I think was failure after failure after failure, and the you know you at times you want to quit, you want to give up because you're not sure you're doing the right thing. You don't know if you're a good coach. You you question a lot of things, and I think that having the courage to push through and really continue to learn and believe in what you're doing. And that's where I came to. I, I believed in what I was doing, that it was for the best. And I think eventually um, keep pushing and you keep learning and it eventually turns around. But you're right. I think for younger kids, it's hard. And my daughter is nine and she doesn't like when she's printing um, and writing and the letters aren't perfect. So I, I hear you on that one. But it's the same with my athletes, too, even at the high school level. And I'm sure at all levels, they, they just don't want to mess up. Yeah. But, you know. Like you said, your daughter doesn't want to print it wrong. I mean, yeah. I, I, it just never goes away. So I think that we have to just be so diligent about creating a culture that says, this is how we're going to handle that feeling. I am, I actually tell my parents at the beginning of every year in the parent meeting is that I actually, I want your kids to fail and I want you to support it. Mm. And, and I, I asked my kids every, during practice, you know, you can tell when a player's giving about 80% on a dive because they don't, they're afraid that they're going to miss the ball in the outfield. So, you know, every, every player, every time that happens, I, I go out and I tell them, I want you to, I would rather you give everything you've got and miss than 80% and make it. And you know, that, that language has to happen. I think every day in practice as well. Yes. They've got to feel, feel freedom to fail. Absolutely. And I think that comes, you know, from the coach, that's really kind of the culture Mel, do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I was just thinking this is all amazing insights for coaches. So if you could give one tip for coaches to start doing today, what would it be? I, I, I just think that immediately when you ask that, I go back to what uh, was just said, that it just it has to come from a coach, and I think you have to celebrate the failure. Uh, so if you see someone go all out and miss – we can't be mad because the result wasn't what you wanted. You got to really celebrate what they did and, and thank them for the effort and, and applaud that. But then at the flip side, I think when you know they're going 80 and being careful, I don't even, it, you can do it in any way you want. If you want to call it out in front of everybody, if you want to go talk to them personally, I know you're holding back. Why are you holding back? We don't do that here. That's not our culture. That's not who we are. Uh, I think that we all want to be a part of something great and the, and we want that greatness called out in us. And that's just something you can resonate with that. Hey, I want you to give me everything. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. That's just, 
it's like permission. And I love when I hear that, even if someone says it to me, which, you know, they don't tell me that much anymore. I've got to be my own boss sometimes, um, when it comes to inside my head, but, uh, I just love that permission that just give me whatever you've got and let's see what happens. And then you've got the freedom to do whatever you're not worried about disappointing that person. And, um, or, or the failure or not doing it right because right becomes your effort. Uh, and then you get to spend your time figuring out what is that effort? You know, I think so many of us, I, I could include myself in this. We do give that 80% because we think we're going as hard as we can. When really, if someone pushes us a little further, we find out there's more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just like being in the weight room and, and conditioning, which I think is imperative to mental toughness. I think somebody has to teach you at some point. I'm going to make you go further. And then when you do it, you're like, man, I had no idea there was more in me. I thought I was done. And the more you kind of use that muscle, I think that it it becomes easier to push a little further and just see what you have. But if it's this muscle we never use, then yeah, it feels a little forced. It doesn't feel the way we want it to. So yeah, just the culture, I'd have to come back to that just over and over and over. Can we keep seeking it? Can we praise it? Uh, can we reinforce it? Ah, so good. This was awesome. Megan, you were great. Got it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And that's a wrap. Don't forget your bonus for today. We've recreated Coach Smith's best day, worst day worksheet at mentalsweetbot.com forward slash episode 16. Also give Coach Smith a follow and shout out on Twitter at mrodesmith. That's M-R-H-O-D-E-S Smith. And also keep tabs on the team at Lipscomb Softball. L-I-P-S-C-O-M-B-S-B. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, we truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. Let us know what you've learned and how you've implemented these tactics with your players. Then go follow us on Twitter at mentalsweetspot and let us know what you think. Thank you again for joining us. We hope this episode helps show you how to create the mental sweet spot. Talk to you soon. Have a good one.